welcome to today's episode of Rise Up, Voices from the Frontlines. And I am your host, Krista Fee. And behind me, you may notice that we have a new background picture. And this is Phoenix, our memorial jeep, the head of our ferryman mission, uh, our project at Battle to Be, our 501c3, that takes the names of fallen heroes and travels all across the country to bring awareness and to hold space with families who have lost loved ones, especially those who are lost in ways that are not considered line of duty in many states currently. So our mission is to help communities and families of the fallen stay connected and realize that behind every badge, behind every uniform is a person, a human life with thoughts, feelings, emotions, and families. And we want to bring back the humanity to the badge. So that's just a a little brief explanation of of this new picture behind us in case you guys are wondering. Uh, Today, I have an amazing guest for you who's actually going to give you his story, his journey, and his personal experiences uh, of growing up in a rough environment and taking the skills and the experiences they had into law enforcement and how all of that has made him the man that he is today and has helped him to see his spirituality and his the importance of connecting with that something bigger than oneself uh, in in his life so please welcome to the show, Damian Marquez. Thank you, Krista. Thanks for having me. Hello. I love it when people come and just want to share a story because so many times, so many of our guests are practitioners and, you know, they, they, everybody's got a program, but it's also really cool to connect with the other side of it too. The, the, just the person side and the, the story from beginning to end that, it has so many changes in it and so much growth in it. So let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about where do you come from? Let's talk about your roots. Yeah, it's kind of like you said, you know, regardless of the title or the uniform you wear, we're still regular people. We're still human beings. And it's getting back to that understanding that we're all going to make mistakes regardless of what title we're in, uh, what capacity that we're working in or who we're serving or how we're serving. So Thank you for that introduction um, about what you do, what your um, 503C does and all that great stuff. So yeah, for me, I had a very unusual upbringing and background. Um, I come from a a rough area in the area that I grew up in out in Los Angeles County area in California. Um, So that type of environment and element was all around me. Um, I saw the worst of the worst as a young kid growing up into a teenager, that gang life and gang style mentality was all around us. It was a very small Hispanic type community, you know, one high school, one junior high, one little league field. So everyone kind of knew each other. Um, my upbringing um, was pretty unique in the fact that I didn't pursue law enforcement as a young child, as a kid or a teenager. It wasn't something that I said, yeah, I want to do that. I, I like him or her in that uniform, you know, for me, it was the opposite, you know, that, that mentality of of street survival, 
gang gang type style. So uh, just me getting into law enforcement is a miracle in itself. Um, but as I journeyed through childhood and dealt with so many struggles with um, learning challenges and learning disabilities and seeing my fair share of trauma and abuse, um, I had a mentor that came into my life, someone that really spoke into my life and planted um, that seed of, of law enforcement. You know, I think you should get into law enforcement. And every time he told me that, Chris, I looked and I'm like, you know, you're crazy. You, 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 you're off your rocker. I, I do not have the resume for that. Um, but he just kept pushing me on the job site, just kept pushing me. And, you know, I was fresh out of college. I knew my uh, baseball career was over. You weren't going to see me on a TV screen. And I was kind of searching, you know, I was becoming a father for the first time, which was scary, uh, becoming a husband. And I just needed some direction. And for me, having those different types of learning challenges, I always kind of just stayed in the shadows, you know, kept my head down and just work hard and provide for my family. But I had that mentor that just came in my life, uh, Terry, who just kept playing that seed, get into law enforcement, get into law enforcement. And I just kept saying, you're crazy. Well, when someone tells you to do something, you know, enough times you either do it or you just kind of walk away and disappear. Well, I decided to kind of take him up on his offer. And I went ahead and filled out a very lengthy application. And uh, I needed all the help I could need for that application. Like I said, like, I didn't have that resume. And I just was like, hey, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Um, if it happens, it happens. And after a year, year long process, I remember that phone call. Uh, my grandfather just passed away, so I was kind of dealing with, with the loss of my grandfather and, and you know, where I was going to go next in life. He wasn't going to see my, my children grow up. Um, and I got that phone call asking if I wanted to be part of the law enforcement community. And I said, yes. So that's the kind of start of my journey. It's the start of your journey. Uh, if you're comfortable and you're absolutely, it's okay if you say that the, this line of questioning is not okay. Um, a lot of a lot of our listeners are not familiar or haven't had exposure to the gang lifestyle from the growing up perspective, from the being in it kind of from birth. And that's your friends and your family and your people that are around you. They have an outside perspective where uh, a lot of times people go, what could possibly make these teenagers behave this way? What could possibly lead youngsters into making these poor decisions. Uh, can you comment on the sense of family and the need for the the level of support and connection that happens in, in those environments that helps to bring about those choices that young people are making? Yes. Uh, you know, from the very start, it's a generational thing, right? You know, you got fourth, fifth, sixth generation, these young kids growing up in that element, that lifestyle, and that's all they know. And that's their survival, you know, instinct is just to survive. How, how am I going to survive? And that wasn't something that I seeked and sought out for, but it was something that I understood that, hey, if I want to go down to the local liquor store to the burger joint, I better have some protection with me because in the area where I was surrounded by, you know, there was enemy territory all around me. So I, I learned quickly on, you know, strength in numbers. And it wasn't something that, again, that I went to go seek out for. It wasn't something that I needed. You know, I had two older brothers. I, I came I came from a great family, a father who worked hard, a, a mother that, you know, drug us to church, you know, every Sunday. So it wasn't something that um, it was a necessity. 
but it was something that was just surrounding me all the time. And it was, it's, it's as you get into that teenage years, you kind of just start um, falling into those habits and it just kind of started to become a part of me. So then I had to take on this kind of identity to kind of survive. So you went, you transitioned from a world where law enforcement was ultimately the biggest enemy that you could possibly consider other than opposing game, gang members and, you know, and enemy territory, as you say, uh, to becoming one of those guys. Was there any part in the early age, early stages of that transition when that felt like a betrayal or when it felt like you were living in two worlds that you couldn't put together? What, what was the first few years like for you? Yes. Well, I always felt like I was living two kind of separate lives again, because these learning challenges I had as a kid and a teenager, they continue to follow me all the way into my adulthood. And uh, I'll share a little bit more of that a little bit later. But um, so I always felt like I was kind of living two different types of lives, two different identities, two different persons. And as I, I got into the law enforcement community, yeah, there was um, some close ties that didn't like that or some close ties that, you know, said we're going to have to separate, you know, ourselves from you. But I just took it as, you know what, um, I'm going to here to work hard. I'm here to provide for my family. And I saw it as a way for me to do that. It, it was, you know, something that I was going to be able to provide put food in the table for my family. Yeah, but those early years were, were a struggle. It, I was like hiding in the shadows, try to uh, be as visible as much as possible. Just keep your head down and do the job the best you can. Absolutely. Could. <laughs> that was kind of my upbringing, um, you know, coming from a, a military family that my you know, family have served in, you know, just put your head down and, and work hard. And then in Hispanic community, that's kind of how we're, we're kind of inbred. You just put your head down and work hard. Yeah, coming, I, I come kind of from a, a traumatized background and, and for me, uh, a kind of a similar feeling of when, when I finally got to the place that I wanted to be that like, keep my head down, no one will notice I'm not good enough. No one will notice that I don't belong here, that, that I don't fit in, right? So, so as long as I don't stand out in any way, whether positive or negative, nobody's going to notice that I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> Right. It's kind of like, you know, don't bring any attention to yourself. It's kind of like the street mentality, too. Don't bring any attention to yourself and the police won't stop you. Don't bring any attention to yourself and people won't see your deficiencies or your, or your lack thereof. So, yeah, that was embedded in me as a child. Right. So tell us about your law enforcement career. What were your experiences? Did you did you love it? Did you were there moments that it was horrible? Like. What stands out for you the most uh, over over the time that you've served? Yeah, uh, what stood out for me the most is when I really transitioned, like you said, spiritually, um, when I finally understood that I was meant to do more. Uh, I had a great career. I, I worked with a lot of great people. Uh, I saw a lot. I saw the best of best and, and the worst of worst conditions because I also worked in the game field as well. So, you know, it was always around me. I was always a part of it. And as I got into my later years, I still had struggle with reading comprehension. That was my big challenge. And at the age of 40, I finally said, this is enough. I'm in a career that's majority 80% writing comprehension, writing reports. And it takes me forever to write a simple report. And I was, I was fed up. I was tired of it. 
a grown adult, a husband, a father, and not being able to read. So I looked up to my Heavenly Father, God, and I says, Lord, I need your help. I need to be a better servant, not only for the law enforcement community, but also for my family, also for my children. And I opened up my Bible. Graciously, I happen to still have one. And I began reading from cover to cover each year, over and over again. And by year three, my knowledge, wisdom, and understanding went through the roof. And then that's when I started to excel in everything that I was doing, from law enforcement to a, a husband, to a father, to serving in my community. So for me, that was a turning point for me is finally getting to the point where I was fed up. I was tired of losing, tired of not understanding and comprehending what God really had a purpose for me. And that was my defining moment. I just turned 50, so that's only been 10 years now in the making. So what what do you define now as your as your purpose? Because so yeah, many, you know, oh, so many people in law enforcement define themselves entirely by their career, by their job title. So an officer is I'm an officer, and that's all they are, and they they struggle to come up with you know what is a purpose beyond that, and and who are they beyond that? But, right. Part of our part of our core values is we say, right, I'm a leader. That's the very first thing they teach you, right? I'm a leader. So go out and be a leader in your community, be a leader in the law enforcement community. But for me, I knew my purpose ended up being for me to be the best version of myself, be the best demon. And how could I how am I going to be able to do that and accomplish it? Well, it was through having a good, strong foundation. And that only came through God's word and through the help of some great therapy and some great people that came into my life. Um, they introduced me to that. So I wanted to be the best version of Damien. I, I got tired of losing. I wanted just to succeed. So for me, that was kind of my, my turning point and which became my calling and my purpose. Utilize my gifts, my talents, being able to, to go out there and, and meet people at their lowest point and say, I, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've seen that. I've experienced that. So... I love that you use uh, core values. Core values is a concept a lot of people don't understand. Uh, and core values is one of the best ways to define who we are. And uh, in in therapies and in coaching and, and some of the work that we do here at battle to be we actually have um, just that core values definition process where, where we talk about uh, discovering what are your core values and it, if I very seldom hear people say, you know, I define myself by my core values. And that's really your guidepost. That's your inner compass. That's how you can you you can weigh every decision against those values and say, is this in alignment with who I am and who I want to be? Right. So how can yes. you be the best version of yourself each and every day? You stay in alignment with those core values. You're never questioning whether you're being the best version of yourself. So do you have any like morning or evening or like daily, what is your daily ritual or process that you stay connected uh, to that, to that inner voice, to that compass and, and really kind of check yourself and make sure you are being that best version of yourself you can be. Yes. And I'm, I'm so happy you said it that way because that's exactly kind of how my, my therapist or my counselor told me when he sat me aside, uh, he was retired. Uh, Marine served in the military as a Marine. And that's kind of how he told me, he's all, who do you think you are? Do you even know what your identity is? Do you know what your core value is of who you are, what your characteristics are? 
what your DNA is. He kind of went through all that. He broke that all down. And then again, he gave me that foundation as of, you know, you're a child of God. You know, you were created to dominate. You have the characteristics of God in you. He's given you all power and authority. And that kind of set me on my new path and where I'm at today, which brings me to your question is I learned to read God's word and understood that that is my foundation. Anything that I need, any kind of question that I need to answer, any kind of direction I need in my life is I go back to my core value, which is my foundation in God's word. So that's something that I do every single day. Um, I never stray from that because, again, I was out there in the world looking for every resource to find out who Damien was. I was out there in the world experimenting and trying this and trying that and had so many different you know, addictions and, and stuff like that where that became my core values, which were the worst part of me and what was the best version of me. So my routine now is to always spend time with, in God's word through my prayer time, through my devotional time. And as I go out through my day, it's just to be grateful for what he's created me to be. So how do you feel about the man in the mirror now? Oh, I, I love it. You know, again, I just turned 50 and I was so happy to celebrate 50 because when I look back as a teenager, as a young adult, I didn't see myself even getting to that age, even before getting into to law enforcement. Um, so when I look in the mirror now, I, I see the miraculous transformation that God does in our lives and that there's always hope, regardless of what your situation is. There's always hope um, when you turn to your Heavenly Father, who knows you the best, who created you in his image and his likeness. So I, I love the person that I am now. It, it really is truly a transformational experience that I went through from childhood to where I'm at now. And he has restored some years in my life because people don't think I'm 50 years old. So where do you think you would be today if you had enough allowed yourself to connect to that spirituality and to that to that to that inner need for something that is bigger than yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'll still be wandering on loss. Um, would I still be on this earth? You know, I don't know because I was making so many bad decisions that had such severe consequences. Um, breaking up every relationship that I had um, with my children, with, with my spouses. Um, I was just a mess and I was just kind of going through the motions. And um, it was just the grace of God who were his hand of protection was on me. It doesn't matter. Um, how much I was failing or how much I was getting involved in, in the chaos around me, he was still there just ushering me along, waiting for my time to finally submit to him and, and finally say, Lord, I just, I just need you to be present in my life. So finding God also helped you to connect with other human beings in different ways. You are, if I remember remembering correctly, you're actually in a, in a very good relationship now. Is that that accurate? Yes, yes. I mean, when I found into my life, to me, it was towards the end of my law enforcement public safety career. So I started to use that as I was transitioning out. You know, okay, Lord, how, how are you going to use me now as this vessel? Um, thank you for my time in the law enforcement community. Thank you for that kind of being my apprenticeship by allowing me to be in those tough places and being around those those tough individuals. So now there's Nothing I haven't been exposed to and nothing I haven't seen. There, there's not uh, nothing that's going to surprise me when I encounter somebody. Um, so, yeah, that was the foundation. That was kind of my apprenticeship, my, my boot camp. 
and uh, now where he's launched me at now to the streets and to the communities and to the local churches and to just to those individuals that need help finding themselves need to understand the best version of them. Um, so I love my experience. Um, I, I don't. People always ask, do we do you regret? Do you regret making those bad decisions? I says no. I don't like the didn't like the consequences, but those failures propelled me to my success now. Yeah, that's a that's a question that trauma survivors often get asked too. And it's really interesting because there's there seems to be two schools of thought. There's like one group of survivors will say, you know, I didn't ask for it, it wasn't my fault. Uh, it didn't make me who I am. Like, you know, don't give any credit to the things that I've experienced for, for making me. And then there's the other side that will say, absolutely, the pain and suffering that I have endured, the things that I've seen, the things I've experienced, all of that had value. Maybe we didn't ask for it. Maybe we didn't choose the paths that we took. And other people had have done horrible things. Like other people have done horrible things to us and other, and we've done horrible things to other people you know, whatever those experiences are, that when we come out of it stronger, it has value. Whether we chose it or not, whether we had control or not, it always has value. So that's coming from my own personal trauma experiences. That was my take on it. Like I, going through the healing process, I've come to a place where I appreciate the experiences for having an impact on creating the warrior that I became. Whereas if I hadn't had them, I would not have the empathy and the understanding of human suffering and the desire to change the world for others and to change the experience for others. So no matter what, there's something that comes out of those experiences. So do you feel like, do you feel like in our lives there is, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, there is that little bit of guidance to create the best versions of us that we can be. And sometimes maybe that guidance takes a form that doesn't look positive, but the outcome somewhere maybe is. Is that, is that a yes, good, you know, kind of what you're yeah, saying? You, yes, absolutely, right? It's not a sprint, right? It's a marathon. We're, we're running this marathon of life to our end point, our eternity. Um, so the things that have happened in the past, the trauma that we come come across um, the things were, that made us vi victims to something, you know, very traumatic, very real. Again, through my, my uh, uh, suffering through some of that and, and seeing it firsthand, but that past propelled you to where you're at now, through your own experience to what you do now for, for the community, for those that, that serve and protect our, our homeland. So those past traumas, which wanted to keep you in a victim state, we all come to that point where like, no, I want to be a winner now. I want to be victorious now. I want to be the warrior, however we define that, however that looks like in our lives, because that's who God created us to be. And we all come to that revelation at some point of our life and we define it different ways. Like I said, for me, I got tired of losing. I know that there was an enemy out there. There was an adversary that just kept wanting Damon to be a failure, not succeed, not to be what God had created me to be, not to know what my worth was. And I just finally said enough was enough. And I think we all get to that point uh, in our lives where we get rid of that victim mentality and say, you know what, I'm going to conquer now because we are more than conquerors. And I'm just going to steam forward. And what happened to me in the past has only just strengthened me 
like it says in God's word, you know, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And that's kind of how we have to come to that point in our lives when we deal with trauma. So tell us about the work that you're doing now and how people can connect with you if that's something that they feel compelled to do. Yeah, anyone that just wants to, you know, have a real conversation, a, a real story, know more about me, they're, they're more than welcome to, to reach out on my LinkedIn page or, or send, send me an email. Um, but what I do now is I just help build leaders to live healthy, healed, successful lives. In order for us to be successful, we first have to be healed and live a healthy lifestyle. So whatever type of trauma they've gone through or something that they've experienced, um, we get to the root of that. You know, again, we, we go back to the foundation of, okay, what happened? Okay, well, let's talk about what happened. And now how do we move forward? Because that's not a part of you anymore. That was just an experience that unfortunately you, you went through. But this is where the hope lies. And this is where I see you moving forward. So we kind of get down to the root, roots of that. So what I do is I meet with men, all different ages, you know, all different ethnicities that have gone through different types of struggles that, you know, I've gone through. Again, I've seen it all. I've been through it all, and uh, most of the time I've experienced most of the stuff that uh, they've experienced. So that's what I do, just kind of help them be the best version of themselves. That way they can be productive in their homes, in their marriages, in their community, in their local churches. So just I always try to clarify for people what roles, uh, what roles people are in because there's not a lot of knowledge about the differences between therapists, psychotherapists, counselors peer support like all of these five bajillion different different titles so what do you call your services and and how do people how do you define what you're doing in terms yeah, of my, practices yeah. yeah my service the name i i came up with was three strong and, and that came just from a, a dream and a vision that god had gave me to learn how to build myself up spiritually mentally and physically so based on those biblical principles God tells me, I want you to do the same in people. So again, whether they're hurting uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, um, I'm that life coach for them. I'm that kind of a uh, discipleship person that helps them get over that trauma that they've experienced and get them on the path of what they're supposed to be called to do and how they're supposed to live their life and just be happy for where they're at and who they are. Perfect. Okay, so any anything, any last words of wisdom, anything else that you want to share uh, with our audience before before we close out for the evening? Yeah, thank you. Again, I just want you to just everyone to know that you're made in God's image. You're made in His likeness. You got the char characteristics of what your Father God is, and most importantly, He gave us all the power and authority to dominate. It says, "I give you dominion over everything." So go ahead and dominate in your gift and your purpose. Find out what that is. What do you like to do? What are you good at? That's your purpose. And go dominate. Thank you so much for being with us here tonight. Thank you, Krista. Thanks for having me again. Thank you, everybody, for watching today's episode of Rise Up, Voices from the Front Lines. And I hope that you learned something or found a message that you can take with you. And if you would like to connect with Damien or myself, uh, please do so. The links will be below the podcast, or sometimes it's above the podcast, depending on where you're listening to the podcast at. If you would like to support our program at Battle to Be, you can easily do so at battletobe.org 
B-A-T-T-L-E, the number two, B-E.org. You can support our podcast. You can support our programs. Everything is broken down so that you always know where your money's going. Uh, We are a 100% volunteer organization, so no one gets paid. All of our proceeds actually go to serving those who serve our country and community. So you know that we serve our community with the same integrity that our first responders and and our military are serving with. So if there's no self-sacrifice, if there is no skin in the game, then we kind of think that that's not the way nonprofit should be run. So we're trying to show the world that it can be done better, that it can be done with integrity, and that people can do what they say they're going to do. So help us show the world that every life matters, that our people, that our fallen heroes are remembered, they will be honored, and that they deserve the respect of a hero's burial, and that their families know that they're supported and help us continue to provide services for those who are still with us and who may be struggling with post-traumatic and occupational stress. Thank you so much again for being with us every week, and I can't wait to see you next week. Again, my name is Krista Fee, and I am your host, and I will see you next Thursday.